Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. Good morning and welcome to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. I'm Jeff Lagerman and we don't have quite a full house. It's me, Jeff Lagerman, and Kevin Favor. Morning, Kevin. Good morning, brother. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. Yeah. Uh, our, our third uh, captain, Kirk Waltz, uh-huh. uh, is in South Carolina at Seawee, which is uh, it's a big expo in South Carolina that has art, outdoors, yep. uh, a whole bunch combination of things and it's a really a cool cool attraction that goes on in south carolina kirk's been going to it with his wife for a number of years and it's kind of a getaway for him and the wife mm-hmm. and all of the, the i think their anniversary is this yeah, week kind of, like, kind of like, coincides it, it 30, with 30, it, it, yeah he's really old yeah he's like really old he's like, really old and, but it, it coincides with his anniversary and him and his wife go up and they make you know a whole trip out of it yeah and, and stay up i believe it's in charleston south carolina which is kind of the the neck of the woods that kirk comes from uh-huh and uh, so look forward to getting a report from him next week on, on or two weeks from now because uh, next week me and him are fishing. Yeah, you got, yeah, you guys are going next week. We have a big fishing tournament yep. that we're fishing locally here. Uh, so in two weeks, Captain Kirk will give us an update on how Seawee went. Uh, and also wanted to take this opportunity to uh, thank our guest from last week, Captain Bill Goldschmidt, yes. the author of the book Shark Man of Cortez. And he was fantastic. He was a fantastic yeah. guest. Uh, and most importantly, Kevin, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. Yes. I, I finished it. In fact, I finished it uh, the night yep. after we had him on. Okay, because I, I, I just finished yesterday. So. And I I really enjoyed it because it, it had all the elements, I think, that you want in a good book. Right. First of all, you want to be entertained. Uh, number two, you want to learn something. And I, and I think I did, you know, from reading his book. Yeah. You know, you know the one thing that, that I learned – Jeff, well, probably more than anything, was how early in his in, in his career the regs were put on him. Yes, you know what I'm saying because we, you know, with with like the, what we're going through now with the snapper band and, and, and the grouper and, and you know we've got all these closures going on. I mean, this is really something for for us here on the Atlantic coast. This is something kind of new. I, I shouldn't say new to us, but but it is. It's only four or five years old. Sure, and, and the book. With, you know, when they talk about longlining and stuff like that, dude, this was in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. that, that the government came in there and shut them down. Yep. You know, and, and growing up on the water and stuff, I, I really never realized that. I yeah. learned something, like you said, I, that, that's what hit me more than anything. Yeah, and that kind of surprised me because, you know, what you're talking about is, is NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmosphere Administration, mm-hmm. uh, is putting on, uh, putting out a lot of regulations to control fishing in all of our federal waters it's environmental terrorists is what it is well and it's it's really impacted the economies of all the coastal yeah. communities of the united states from new england all the way to california yes absolutely and most recently along the uh, southeast atlantic seaboard i mean in the atlantic ocean uh we're having issues with you know being able to catch snapper grouper sea bass which is all the staples of 
not only the tourist industry along the coastal communities, but also the commercial fishing industry. Right. Uh, and then uh, what's really bothersome is that uh, the Magnuson-Stevenson Act that kind of is at the root of this has some language that says you have to use best available data. Well, the data is flawed uh, in that some of the data has been supplied by groups that really have political objectives to stop fishing, stop hunting, uh, and that's a concern. And, and today's guest uh, is going to be U.S. Senator Mark Pryor, and we're going to have him on after the commercial break. Uh, we'll ask him a little bit about sure. that. Uh, but we'll first get into the topic with him about the federal e-duck stamp program, which uh, I don't want to say is groundbreaking, uh, but it, boy, me and you were talking before yeah. we came on the air and that, why hasn't this happened it's already? A, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a, it's really a no-brainer. So yeah. we're going to talk about yeah. this program with, uh, with, the, uh, with the senator and then also talk a little bit about this Magnuson-Stevenson Act. Mm-hmm. And then talk some duck hunting. Yeah. He's a senator from Arkansas. Holy cow. I mean, Arkansas is the duck hunting capital of the world. Yep. And you know what else is this week? Big time this week. Speed week, brother. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you're living here in, in, in Northeast Florida. It's, a, it's, it, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big deal everywhere, but uh, it's a big deal everywhere. Yeah, so yeah. so you, you got all of that going on. Yeah. But, but for the outdoors, I mean, holy cow. You know, I'm a huge duck hunting fan. Oh, yeah. You know, the first six years, you know, when I grew up, I didn't grow up duck hunting. Right. And I did. You know, and you yep. did. I didn't. I right. mean, I, I didn't live near an area that had, you know, a big DU presence. That's all I did. The really. mountains of Virginia, yeah. we didn't have a whole lot of ducks. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, uh, so, but when I, when I first started playing in the NFL, mm-hmm. I go to New York and was invited to a couple uh, Ducks Unlimited Banquets, in fact, one of my favorite moments in, in my entire life was uh, for about a four-year stretch, I got invited to the Ducks Unlimited chapter on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They have a Wall Street chapter of DU, <laughs> and their logo, get this, their logo is a circle, and in the middle of the circle, it has a martini glass with an olive in it. And a duck lighting nice. out of the martini glass. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was cool. And I, and I had an opportunity to go to this. In fact, me and, and Dennis Bird were the first mm-hmm. two New York Jet players to go to the, the Ducks Unlimited chapter there at Wall Street. And they would auction off hunts with me and Dennis. And for those that are wondering who's Dennis Bird, Dennis Bird was a teammate of mine with the New York Jets who actually had his neck broken uh, in a game. Uh, and, uh, him and another teammate of mine, Scott Mercer, collided. He, anyway, Dennis broke his neck, was in the hospital. A movie was produced after that, and a book came out that Dennis wrote called Rise and Walk. And so me and Dennis were the ones who first started going to the Wall Street chapter of Ducks Unlimited and going on hunts out on uh, the eastern shore of right. Long Island, which was the Hamptons and stuff. And we did that during the season when we were playing with the Jets. And so, so my involvement with duck hunting came when I was, you know, 22, 23 years old and became a huge fan of it because where I lived at, it was in a coastal town on southern Long Island called Point Lookout. And it's very similar to a lot of coastal areas in that you have ocean and then you have marsh mm-hmm. along the coast. And we had some of the best brant, geese, and duck hunting that exists along the eastern seaboard. That's awesome. Well, you know, you, you and I talked about this this week and, and, and growing up, you know, duck hunting 
I mean, literally, that's uh, with duck hunting and squirrel hunting and stuff like that. We, you know, we didn't we didn't really have any turkeys here, you know, Jeff. So I I didn't grow up turkey hunting because in Northeast Florida we didn't we just didn't have turkeys, mm-hmm. you know, or I didn't hunt where where they were. I hunted a huge tract of land, but anyway, one of the biggest reasons that I got out of duck hunting was because of all the stamps you had to have. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, federal, migratory, and 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 not only that, but then they they put you know different points on different birds, and 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 the regulations got so bad that that it's like, holy cow, you could go shoot one bird and get a hundred points, and you were done. You know, you 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 packed it in and 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 went home. I mean, that was yeah. it. And you had bought all these stamps, but you had, like you said, you got to go to the post office. You got and and, and, and hopefully the post yeah. office would have them. And hopefully the post office, or you know, and, and so so now uh, the senator's trying to change some of that, which I think is really cool. I think I think it's it's a great idea. I think it it's one of these things that's kind of surprising that you have to have legislation to make yeah, it happen. Exactly. Uh, you know, in today's day and age of, of internet technology and everything is based on a computer, you kind of go, why can't you buy a federal duck stamp online already? <laughs> yeah. You have to pass a bill on this. Yeah. You, you got to pass a, a bill on this. And you know, the, the one thing that I hope, and we'll get into this with us Senator Mark Pryor, the uh, Senator from Arkansas is a lot of times with legislation bills, whatever, it gets put alongside something else. And yeah. so then it becomes a political item. Right. You know, where, okay, let's this federal e-duct stamp program, you know, is bill number X, you know, 5891, whatever. And then along that with that bill comes other things. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's frustrating. You know, when you have the federal government where you've got an item that, would be a no-brainer, and then you have other things that are with this same exact bill that have nothing to do with the federal e-duck stamp. Right. Or there's another senator with 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 a bill that he wants to pass, right? And, and, and he's like, "I'll vote for yours if you'll vote for mine." Yeah, it gets, it gets a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into that yep. with uh, with Senator Mark Pryor uh, about this program. He's the uh, co-sponsor of the bill in the Senate, uh, and he has a reputation uh, in the U.S. Senate. As and they, they term him the voice of reason. So we're going to listen to the voice of reason today cool. and talk a little duck stamp, a little duck hunting, and a little bit of the Magnuson Stevenson Act because that's kind of close to our home and close to a lot of people's sure. homes that live along the coastal uh, areas of our great country. Sure, absolutely. You know, so. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to, uh, to you know because like you you and I talked about it, it being just such a, such a no brainer. I mean, you know why why is it that he had to come up with this and say let's pass a bill to to be able to buy a federal duck stamp online. Well, it's past the House. Yeah. You know, it's past the House, and, and I think it's fitting that a senator from Arkansas would be the sponsor well, yeah, absolutely. of this. Because, you know, we know that Arkansas, in fact, uh, Arkansas, uh, years ago, when I was calling games for Fox Sports Television, I was doing a Cowboys game. And the Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, wonderful guy. Uh, and a lot of people have very strong opinions about Jerry Jones. But the one thing that I can tell people from meeting him on numerous occasions and talking with with Jerry Jones, he is a great guy. He's very personable, and he's one of those guys that you cannot see him for six years, and he'll walk up to you and say, "Hey Jeff, how you been?" Right. You know, and you're like, "What? You yeah. remember my name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're Jerry Jones." <laughs> but I remember meeting him. Uh, uh, might have been the second or third time. Jerry uh, is from Arkansas, mm-hmm. and he has an area in Arkansas that he does a lot of duck hunting 
And he said, hey, look, anytime you'd like to go duck hunting in Arkansas, he said, give me a call. And he, and he, you know, but, but a lot of people would say or take that as not being sincere. Right. When it came from him, you felt like you could make a phone call tomorrow and he would say, here's the key. Right. You know, th- that kind of yeah, a Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, a good friend of ours, um, Steve Lopez, who works for Scotty Brown. Everybody knows who Scotty Brown is. Florida. We, we, we were, we were. They used to work Florida Fish and Wildlife. Yep. Scott and Steve Lopez, and now they have a company, Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. Right. But, but he and I were having that conversation this week about people, you know, they, it, being on my boat and, and making those offers to me. Hey, I got this piece of land and so and so. And don't ask me twice. <laughs> Because I usually show up at your doorstep with with gun in hand or bow in hand <laughs> ready to go. and ready to go. You know, I mean, I I told him the story about about getting invited to Washington State. I mean, mm-hmm. I live in Florida, and and I'm like, okay, and sent yeah, Steve you went. Oh, so I sent Steve Crossby the next week. I sent him my plane reservations, and I said I'll be there. <laughs> and he's like, uh, really? I'm like, yeah, don't uh, so invite me. Before so anyway. we go to commercial break, just mm-hmm. once again, a, a, Bill, a big thank you to Captain Bill Goldschmidt, yes. who was our guest from last week, uh, The Shark Man of Cortez. That's the, the book, and folks, it's a great read. Uh, sharkmanofcortez.com is the website. A great read. Uh, and then after the break here, we're going to have U.S. Senator Mark Pryor. And then next week, me and, and Kirk are in the tournament, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have wildlife biologist Dave Edwards. Yes. Uh, in studio with you for the Hunt Life Outdoor Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about spring food plots, you know, next week, too, because I know we've been getting a lot of hits on that um, on on Facebook at Hunt Life. All right, well, let's take a break here with the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And after the break, uh, U.S. Senator Mark Pryor, the U.S. Senator from Arkansas, talking about the federal e-duck stamp program. And I hope I got the language on that correct, but we're going to find out right after this with the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. As a deer hunter, I think this happens to us all. You're sitting in your stand and you catch a glimpse of a huge buck. It happens to be the same buck that fills your dreams and your trail cameras. When you saw him during bow season, he was just out of reach. During gun, he was chasing a doe and moving too fast. You've done everything possible to take this buck. You've moved stands, moved trail cameras. You've taken time off work you shouldn't have. You even missed your niece's wedding. This buck consumes your thoughts. As a matter of fact, there's times when your wife is talking to you, and even though you're looking right at her and shaking your head, you're thinking, man, I wish I had to move that stand on the creek bottom and not on that food plot. You hunt day after day, pass up deer after deer, and then it happens. The last day of deer season goes by, and you still have a tag in your pocket. During turkey season, you find his sheds, and your spirits soar. Starting about August, you put out your trail cameras. About two weeks into it, you finally get a picture of it. He is alive and still around. You look at that picture and you say, game on. If this has ever happened to you, you need to be a part of Hunt Life. Visit HuntLife.com. Since the first days at Mossy Oak, we've been about getting close to critters. That's what drove us to create Original Breakup more than 12 years ago. Today we're doing it again with all new Breakup Infinity. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. 12 years of research give it unequaled effective design. Hey, check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camel pattern, just got better. There was the explosion, and I remember just opening my eyes, and it got both of my legs. I had surgery after surgery, and what's going to happen next? 
the Wounded Warrior Project said, look, brother, everything's going to be okay. Three months from now, four months from now, a year from now, you'll be fine. I don't know if I would be as well adjusted as I am now if it wasn't for them. To learn more, call 1-877-832-6997 or visit woundedwarriorproject.org. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Welcome in, Kevin Faber, and uh, we're hoping to get the senator from Arkansas, Mr. Mark Pryor, on here shortly. Uh, we're having a little issue getting a hold of him, yes. whatever. Uh, but for, to give people an idea of, of kind of what is going on with this federal e-duck stamp program, a little history here. Back in 1934, Congress and the president, Mr. Roosevelt, at that time, established the federal duck stamp as part of a license requirement. And and this is a lot of stuff I didn't know, and this is a lot of information we were reading up on mm-hmm. uh, prior to coming on the show today. Uh, since they started this duck stamp program, more than $800 million uh, was generated to allow 6 million acres of waterfowl habitat to be protected. And the stamp cost $15. $14.70, which is an amazing number. Yes, it is. So everything but $0.30 cents goes towards wetlands acquisition and conservation. I mean, $800 million. I mean, that's a lot of money. You can buy a lot of land. You can buy a lot of land with that. Yeah. And uh, and obviously, Arkansas being the duck hunting capital of the world, Stuttgart, yep. uh, Dick's Prairie Wings, uh, all the other stores that are out in Arkansas that really focus in on duck hunting, I mm-hmm. mean, that's kind of where it's happening. That's the epicenter of duck hunting. So it's fitting that uh, Senator Mark Pryor is a co-sponsor of this bill in the U.S. Senate. And... As we were talking about this this program, we found it surprising, and we find it surprising that this hasn't happened already. Yeah, and then we're surprised that this requires a bill or action by our federal government to have happen. Yeah, and and, and, and you know the the other thing that you need to look at, Jeff, when when you talk about you know the money where where this is spent, because I I read. Yeah, obviously, a lot of magazines, including you know DU's magazine and stuff like that. This this year or this this prior year was the number one hatchery that they had in the United States and Canada, and and all the years they've 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 taken records. So you should feel good about that when yeah. you buy that duck stamp, and you pay you know to to be a member of DU and knowing where that money's going. I mean, it, it, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. I mean, look look at where the wild turkey is now because of the NWTF, and look at where the ducks are because of DU and because of duck stamps like this. So you got to feel, you know, pat yourself on the back a little bit when you when you spend that money to know that that, that it is going to, uh, you know, the cause that we want it to go hey, to. Hey, we're 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 big fans of all the conservation hunting, yeah. conservation, or should I say, hunting conservation? Yes. I like to put hunting in front of that. Yes, uh, because hunters raise more money for conservation in the United States than any other group. It's right. not even close with the sales of licenses and fees, yep. et cetera. And I'm okay with having, and a lot of people don't like the idea that I've got to have, you know, whether it be a, a national park stamp to hunt a national park or to have a duck stamp to be able to hunt ducks. A lot of people disagree with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. As long as the money is being used to directly impact 
the populations of our wildlife and mm-hmm. to help them. If it's used for another purpose that is going to restrict access for hunting, et cetera, then I don't, I don't, I'm not for it. <laughs> but I'm not for it. You know, yeah. In the e-duck stamp program in 2010, they had eight states which were able to purchase the federal duck stamp online. And there were 364,000 approximately that were sold online. And that's almost one-third of duck stamp sales. Wow. And I I think, you know, in today's day and age where sometimes it's very difficult for hunters to gain access to whatever it is, whether it be licenses or to land to be able to hunt, the easier that we make it, I think the better it is for the heritage and the long-term life, I guess you could say, of our hunting culture, sure. of our hunting heritage, because, uh, hey, look, let's face it, the urbanization of America has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, back when our parents were, you know, raising us, I mean, we were we were a rural co- uh, country. You know, people lived on the land when Kevin, you was a kid, in the state of Florida, for heaven's sakes, riding down the road with your gun on your bike. Absolutely. You don't see that anymore. <laughs> No, I mean, you, you know, it was, it was interesting, even like the other day, uh, if you remember a couple weekends ago, Colt and I went quail hunting and he stayed overnight with a very good friend of mine and, and they quail hunted the next morning. So I had to go get him in a, and I, and I picked him up at a very busy gas station. Okay. And so we had to transfer, you know, guns and this, that, and the other from truck to truck. And, and, and it's not like we were right next to each other. So I was walking around this gas station, this very busy gas station with a 12 gauge shotgun, which I'm legal. You know, all I'm doing is, is taking Colt's gun from Rick's truck and putting it in my truck. But dude, you would have thought that, that you were like terrorist. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you just, like you said, you just, there's so many things that you just can't do anymore, you know, which, you know, we didn't see that coming even as kids. Um, but, but I, I found it very interesting that, like I said, all I was doing was taking the gun from his truck and, and putting it in, in my truck and, and man, people were like ducking and, you know, <laughs> yeah, I remember, you know, growing up as a kid seeing pickups that had gun racks oh, yeah. in the back window. Yeah. And it was, I mean, that was, it was common. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? It was like a bumper. Yeah, absolutely. When you got your truck, the first thing you did is you drilled holes in it <laughs> and, and you put gun in racks it. in it. Absolutely. When's the last time you've seen a gun rack in a pickup truck? Uh, some, probably, you know, a, a, an old 69 or 1970 Ford in Georgia that somebody uses strictly for hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, seriously. I mean, you don't, you don't see any new trucks or whatever. No. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the gun racks that people have now are, are exactly like the ones that I have. They go behind your, behind your, the seat, behind they the hang seat. on the headrest. Yep. Of course, you know, yep. back in the day, there was no thing as an extended cab pickup. Right. That's right. You know, so you didn't have the ability really sure. to, I mean, back in the old days, if you want to put a gun behind the seat, you put it in a gun case and you flip the seat up yeah. and put it back in there and it kind of got in there with all the trash yeah. yeah you know whereas nowadays you've got the extended cab pickups and the crew cab pickups and right. you know you got plenty of room to put guns elsewhere but in the old days i mean regular cab pickup no, if you place... wanted to have a gun you had to have a gun rack you had to have a gun rack yeah and you, you you don't you don't see that anymore you know one of my one of my best memories of of duck hunting was long island i lived in a little town called point lookout new york mm-hmm 
and it was a it was a neat little town and it was surrounded by water on three sides you had the atlantic ocean to the south and then to the east you actually had jones beach which you know a lot of people that have been around new york jones beach was i mean in the summertime i mean holy cow the you know the the young adults and families from you know brooklyn and queens and all those places that the five boroughs of new york city would go to jones beach in the summertime to vacation well where i lived at the to the east of point lookout was jones beach well and to the north was all saltwater marsh uh-huh. and it was funny because in the summertime i mean you'd have thousands and thousands of people coming from the cities you know the city boroughs to go to jones beach and then in the fall of course you know jones beach is shut down and nobody's going to the beach because you know it's cold in, in the state of new york man when it hit september i mean it was like somebody hit a light switch and it just got cold right and so that just shut down well in the fall you know we had you know miles and miles of, of saltwater marsh to duck hunt and there was a guy that i knew and he lived in the town of point lookout and he had a commercial fish house there and his name was was bruce and uh and bruce had a uh, commercial fish house and we'd I'd walk, literally, walk a block and a half and hop on the boat, and we'd go. And we'd set up a spread at dark and then, you know, put the boat around the corner at the marsh, and we'd have chest waders on and be standing, you know, at times in water that was partially frozen. Mm-hmm. And you know what it takes to freeze salt water. Mm-hmm. And we'd be standing in waist-deep water, leaning up against the marsh, shooting brant ducks and, you know, mallards and geese. And, man, you want to talk about Oh, it's awesome incredible time yeah yeah i, I know that uh and, and you and i've had the invite to go back up there with with, with scotty brown and, and and those guys and we've never taken advantage of that but uh you know when when you talk about duck hunting here where where i grew up um the majority of what we did was all freshwater mm-hmm. you know um and 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 the majority of the ducks that we shot were wood ducks i mean that's you know that's what you did i mean and and, and i i always had the i again had this advantage that I had about 12,000 acres to myself and, 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 and I knew where every wood duck pond was on that acreage. And, and it was, it was awesome. I would, I would squirrel hunt a few, a few yards and then, and then I'd sneak up on a, on a wood duck pond and, and, and brother, there was, there was nothing like that. Now, was, when we, uh, uh, one of our favorite things to do for the saltwater duck hunting, it's tidal. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about sneaking up on ducks. Well, when we used to duck hunt in in the marshes where you had saltwater tidal fluctuations, when the tide would drop, the water levels would drop well below the marsh line. So you could walk on the marsh and sneak up on sure. saltwater ducks and Love hunt that way. That, that was so much fun. We, we did that here in the Intercoastal Waterway. Now, we have done that. Well, let's take a break yep. here with the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. We're hoping to get the senator mark prior on to talk about the federal e-duck stamp program if it doesn't happen hey we'll see if we can get them maybe next week maybe next week and folks you're listening to the hunt life outdoor show with me jeff logman kevin favor we'll be back right after this after sweating it out all afternoon i have finally accepted that no turkey of any kind lives within a mile of where i'm sitting time to pack it in and just in time to get a text from joe He's wrapping it up, too, with tags filled. Ouch. But as I throw in the towel, it hits me. In just 30 minutes, I'll be back at camp. We'll all settle in, kick back, talk about the day, cheer our successes, and cheer our failures. 
best thing is, we'll do it all with a spirit of friendship and fellowship. It's the fellowship of hunters everywhere, safely home from the hunt. Without a doubt, this is The Hunt Life. If you're living The Hunt Life too, it's time you tell the world about it, even if it is a little chilly outside. Check out the online store at HuntLife.com for our ultra-warm hooded sweatshirt, fleece vest, and knit cap. This winter, show everyone you're living The Hunt Life. Visit HuntLife.com today. You want to get really close to critters this fall? Then you'll have to try all-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Together, they represent the most dramatic, high-tech leap in the history of camo. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camo pattern just got better. Let fish and wildlife biologist Scotty Brown's 25 years of experience work for your property with Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. They help landowners on developing and managing properties where recreational fishing and or hunting is the priority. Their lake management services include fish population sampling, electrofishing, water analysis, vegetation establishment or reduction, lake design or renovation, and long-term management strategies for your water body's future. Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management installs and repairs aeration systems, fountains, fish and game feeders, and their own design, Forever Tree Fish Attractors. They're experts in keeping small public water bodies and retention ponds in housing developments and golf courses working properly. So if you're looking to improve your property's aquatic resources, call Scotty Brown at Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management at 214-383-3223. That's 214-383-3223. I've been a member of the Federation for 18 years. The Federation stands for good stewardship of the resources and preserving our hunting heritage. Through those efforts, I want my kids to be able to enjoy the same privilege that I have. My father joined the Federation for me, and I've done the same for my children. Jake's women in the outdoors, and wheeling sportsmen. They want to be the best conservation organization in the world. Back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. I'm Jeff Loggum along with Kevin Faber. And uh, I'm not sure what's happened here with uh, with our expected guest, Senator Mark Pryor. Uh, maybe a time zone confusion, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, no big deal. Uh, we look forward to having the senator on at some point to talk about the e-duck stamp program uh, that will be available online. Hopefully that will get done. Sure. Uh, changing courses here. Uh was talking to some folks that went to the National Wild Turkey Federation's uh, National Convention, National Convention, mm-hmm. which happens at the Gaylord Gaylord Opryland Hotel there in Nashville, Tennessee. They said it was unbelievable, wild success, lots of people there, and it's funny because here we are in February, and that's already what I'm thinking about. Sure, you know, I mean, turkey season is just right around the corner, and one of the things that I did this week is. Last year at the end of turkey season, I borrowed a turkey choke tube mm-hmm. to make my you know, annual trip to Nebraska, and it was a kicks choke tube. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I think, and their brother-in-law that makes choke tubes makes ones that are specialty items that are made for turkey guns. Sure. And there's Carlson's, and there's kicks, and there's each gun manufacturer makes their own. 
And uh, when we were at the SHOT Show, or I was at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas, I talked with Mr. Carlson, who owns Carlson's Choke Tubes. And he's going to come on the show, and we're going to talk about sighting in a turkey gun, the proper way to go about it. Well, this week I had a conversation with the gentleman at Kicks Choke Tubes, which is in Georgia. And for a number of years I have actually shot in my turkey gun heavy shot. Mm-hmm. Heavy shot is marketed as heavier than lead, uh, big impact downrange for turkey hunters, etc. And so I'm sitting there talking to the guy about kicks, and I'm you know debating, am I going to get a Carlson choke tube? Am I going to get a kicks choke tube? Uh-huh. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, I like to shoot heavy shot number sixes in my gun. Three and a half. Three and a half inch magnum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hurts. Yeah. And I said, you know, which choke tube do you recommend? Uh-huh. And he says, we don't recommend shooting heavy shot in any of our choke tubes. Really? Which one said that? The uh, the uh, representative from Kicks Choke Tubes. Okay. So you got I was me shocked. Really? And I said, wait a minute. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So my first thought is, is this have something to do with, you know, they've got a sponsorship with another ammunition manufacturer, and they like to encourage people to buy another one. And then we got in the conversation about it, and he said, look, he said, do you remember that Heavy Shot for a number of years actually was under the brand of Remington? It was Remington Heavy Shot. Yeah, sure. And I said, sure. And he said, well, the problem with Heavy Shot is it's harder than steel. Yes, it's heavier than lead, but it's harder than steel. And he said, if you shoot Heavy Shot in an older gun barrel, he says, it can cause serious damage to a gun. Really? Serious damage to a gun. I didn't know that. I've never heard that. Either have I. Either have I. So so what do you think? I think I'm not going to shoot heavy shot. Really? Anymore. Okay. Okay. Because, I mean, this guy's an expert. And and with their choke tubes, you know, choke tubes have constriction. That's how you get tight patterns and, right, and right. open patterns for whatever game that you're shooting. So my first thought was, okay... Why is this dangerous? Well, I guess, you know, with this heavy shot having harder than steel shot, it's very hard on the older barrels because the older barrel steel mm-hmm. is not as hard and as durable uh, as okay. the shot can handle. Well, I had no idea. Okay, but but here's here's devil's advocate. I, I mean, I, I have a shotgun that uh, that I wanted in WTF mm-hmm. like with a, a Beretta. Beautiful gun, 12-gauge. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's the only gun that I have. Well, I'm sorry, I, I do have a 20 gauge. It's the only 12 gauge that I have that's fully camo. So I use it for my turkey gun. It gets shot. I mean, well, last year it didn't get shot, okay? Mm-hmm. But it gets shot four, five, six times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, with with you know with turkey shot. I mean, I mean, I gotta hurt it shooting heavy shot, mm-hmm. shooting it six times a year. Would hurt the barrel. It could hurt the barrel. Okay. But I, but I, you, you'll, you'll notice like when you look at all your, like for example, Benelli. Mm-hmm. When you buy a Benelli shotgun, you've got a nice little case and then you've got five different, yep. you know, screw in choke tubes for the end. Mm-hmm. And they're all marked, you know, cylinder, improved cylinder, modified, full on all your different chokes. But they have some of them that say no steel. There's a reason for that and that the the constri- steel hand, the constriction of screw and chokes 
handle steel differently than lead. And so, folks, if you're looking to buy a choke tube and you're looking to buy ammunition, make sure, make sure you make sure that it can be shot out of that choke tube because it can damage a a barrel by having the wrong choke tube and by having the wrong ammunition shot out of your shotgun. Wow. You just never think about a shotgun like that. You know, with, with, with a rifle, you do because there's rifling, you know, but with, with a, with a clean bore, you know, shotgun, you never think about, um, it being damaged by what you're shooting through it. That's correct. You know, I mean, what, what did we used to do? And, and I've, I've always wondered about this too. You know, we used to shoot slugs mm-hmm. through regular guns. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, you have slug guns with rifling in them and, and, and everything else. What did that slug do? I mean, <laughs> don't know. I don't know either. You know, <laughs> don't, don't know. I mean, well, back in the day, we didn't have to worry about steel because all anybody no, I, ever shot was lead. And then, yeah. of course, you know, the lead ban. Yeah. For, you know, I, and I get that, you know, but just just a reminder when you're getting your turkey gun ready, you know, the heavy shot, you know, there are some concerns with that and concerns with the choke that you shoot with heavy shot. It's like steel. Uh, and so when you pick up a box of ammunition for your shotgun, make sure you're looking at the ammunition, the, 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 what it's designed for. And just like I did talking to the representative of this choke tube company, make the phone call to see what the manufacturer recommends shooting through a gun. Okay. Because when I was talking to him about the kicks chokes tubes, uh, he recommended Winchester, uh, Supreme, the copper coated lead. I know exactly which one you're And then about. they have another one, uh, Winchester extended down range mm-hmm. to shoot in theirs. And he said, he said those act, those particular metal polymers act like lead and can be shot through our choke huh. tubes. I got an education. Yeah, that is an education because I, you know, I honestly, I don't shoot heavy shot. I mean, I know that that's, you know, you, you had kind of preached it for the last couple of years, but I, I just, I continued to buy the Winchester. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's what I can, it, it, it's, it's one of those deals, Jeff, that this like a fisherman or hunter, if it ain't broke, don't fix it yep. type deal, you know, and, and, and I've had so much success with, with, with what I was shooting. I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm going to kind of wait. And the other thing, you know, kicks puts out a, a chart. Carlson's has the same thing and that they have recommended shot sizes for recommended constrictions of choke tubes. And they all don't perform the same. So talk to them and find out exactly yeah. what is designed to be shot through a particular choke that's a, tube. That's a great tip. For your shotgun, whether you're waterfowl hunting or turkey hunting or Dove hunting, wing whatever. shooting, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it may be. You're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Logman. Kevin Favor will be back right after this. As a hunter, we all know that perfect morning. You wake up early before the sun, you have a cup of coffee, grab some snacks, and start towards your stand. You have waited for this morning all year. The wind's perfect, the temperature's just right, and the bucks are in full rut. You sit in the dark, straining your ears for any little noise. The sun finally starts to filter through the trees, then it happens. A doe comes by you on a fast trot. You immediately clip your release to your bow because you know he is coming. You hear a loud grunt and see antlers. It's a buck, a big buck. You stand up trying not to concentrate on the antlers. Your hands are shaking. You can't control the trembling in your knees. You draw the bow back, praying the buck continues down the trail. But as big bucks do, he turns. Your heart sinks. You have a decent shot, but not one you're comfortable with. You decide to let him go. 
Even though you're disappointed, you can't help but think just how cool that was. The folks at Hunt Life, they know how you feel. That's why they started Hunt Life, so we can share our outdoor experiences with each other. If you know this feeling, visit HuntLife.com, because Hunt Life knows it's all about the outdoor experience. America's number one camo pattern just got better. All new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequal, effective design. Together, they break up Hunter's outline like never before. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. It's not a passion, it's an obsession. We know the future of hunting depends on our nation's youth. But did you know that in many states, it's illegal for you to take your son or daughter hunting until the age of 12 or even older? As a result, we have fewer young hunters, and the Families of Field program is designed to eliminate those barriers. Hunting is safe, and the safest hunters of field are young people with adult mentors. Visit our website at familiesoffield.org to find out how you can bring more families afield. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Logman, Kevin Faber. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, next week's show, me and Kirk are, are absentee. We're doing a little bit of outdoor show research. We're yep. in a fishing tournament that's here in our town of Jacksonville, Florida. And you are going to be in studio with Mr. Dave Edwards. I will be. Wildlife biologist. You know, one thing that you can talk about with Dave is that he was there at the National Wild Turkey yeah. uh, uh, Federation's convention there in Nashville, Tennessee, and and he was there with Cabin Bluff, which is his lodge that he works for in Georgia. And he said he was just absolutely amazed at the number of people that went there. You know, and the, hey, let's face it. I mean, today's economic times are tough. Yep. Uh, but the one thing that people really will always hold on to is their their passions and their loves, and that's the outdoors. Mm-hmm. They'll find ways to make it happen. I think more people now, instead of traveling to participate in the outdoors, are finding more ways to do it at home. And turkey hunting is one of those things. And so I I think when you talk to Dave next week, Mm -hmm. turkey hunting and food plots for turkey hunting, because obviously you can't plant a food plot now and have it be up for turkey season. but, But ideas for food plots that can be planted in the fall that can benefit your turkeys and your spring turkey hunting, I think, are a great topic of conversation. Had this conversation with a friend of mine this week who, who lives here, who, who planted chufa, and he bought his chufa through NWTF. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, Kevin, he said, he's only got 10 acres. And he said, before I moved here, he goes, or, or when I, he goes, I didn't have turkeys. And he said, I have planted chufa. And, 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 you know, we went online with Hunt Life and talked to Dave Edwards about how to do it and everything else. He said, it's phenomenal. He said, he said at any point in time, he could look out his backyard now at that 10 acres and he has turkeys. It's amazing. He said, he said, it is amazing. I planted that, uh, four years ago mm-hmm. and had as many as a hundred turkeys in a chufa plot scratching and eating. But the one thing you got to remember, it's a nut grass. Yeah. And hogs, hogs <laughs> absolutely love chufa. Right. And they have and the, so planted it one year, turkeys all in it, you know, and they were loving it, and they stayed, and it was great for the following turkey season. So next year I'm like, 
yeah, I'm going to plant it again. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it got planted, some hogs showed up and the wild hogs. And you, we've got people listening around the country that go, well, it's awesome. You got hogs. Yeah. No, <laughs> not after you work your hind end off trying to plant a crop for turkeys and the hogs come in and before it gets mature, they just absolutely destroy it. Ha- hammer it. They hammer it. Yeah. And it was the same yeah. thing. You know, you, I planted uh, grain sorghum, you know, with the expectation deer love grain sorghum yes. when it's in the doughy stage. The birds love it. What a great crop. It's drought resistant, better than corn for dry land farming. Plant first year, fantastic. Planted it again the second year, the hogs found it. Yeah. And absolutely wiped it out. So, I mean, you got to, every area is different when you plant food plots and you've got to understand how your area is and what wildlife is in your area to understand what you can and cannot plant. Well, the person to ask about that is is, is Dave, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll have him on next week. And, uh, folks, we apologize for not having the uh, the senator on, uh, Senator Mark Pryor from Arkansas, to talk about the e-duck stamp program. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him on, you know, at some point in time. at some point in time to talk about this program. You know, who knows what happens, but it's a, it's a no-brainer program. Make hunting access easier for the people in the United States. Make it easier, make it simpler, make it more accessible so our heritage can continue to grow. And take the kids in the woods. And take the kids in the woods because a lot of times, you know, hey, at the last second, hey, let's go duck hunting tomorrow. I don't have a duck stamp. Yep, that's right. And guess what? That person may have just lost an opportunity to gain a passion for something in the outdoors. Sure. Right. Uh, have a great show next week we with will. Uh, Dave Edwards. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Be sure to check out the very latest in the Hunt Life by logging on to HuntLife.com. The Hunt Life Outdoor Show is a product of Hunt Life Productions. Copyright 2012.